Moms Have Bad Days, Understanding Postpartum Mood Disorders, the companion podcast to the book by the same name by me, author and host, Erin Simpson. Welcome back to another episode of Good Moms Have Bad Days. Today we're talking about advocacy and how to make the world a better place for moms and parents, at least in the United States. A reminder that I wrote this book in 2018-2019, so some of it may be out of date, but you'll get the gist, and I have some additional thoughts to add to things at the end. Um, Additionally, a strong, strong trigger warning for the first part of this chapter as suicide is, is discussed as it pertains to postpartum depression and statistics. If that's something you are uncomfortable listening to, probably fast forward the first two to three minutes. As always, a reminder if you are in crisis to text HELP to 741741 for the crisis text line or reach out to the Postpartum Support International Helpline by texting HELP to 1-800-944-4773 or you can call that number, which again is 1-800-944-4773 and leave a message and a trained volunteer will return your call shortly. You can also access more resources through their website at postpartum.net. You can find me at goodmomshavebaddays.com or email me at goodmomshavebaddays at gmail.com and you can find me on Instagram at goodmomshavebaddays. And now chapter 11, advocacy, how to build a safer place for moms and women in the U.S. Apparently, in the United States, and I can't decide if I'm surprised or not, we don't track suicide rates, especially those of postpartum women. I believe, from a reporter's point of view, that this is because suicide is still a very taboo subject. A lot of families don't want it reported that their loved one died from suicide. It's hard knowing someone you loved took their own life, I get that, but for science, for information, It's important to let people know. There's no shame in letting people know that someone you love struggled with what was happening to them. It's a struggle hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people face daily, and we should be talking about it. That said, suicide is the second leading cause of death for postpartum women. We know that much, but we don't really know the numbers here in the U.S. Based on studies done in Denmark and Canada, it seems about 5% of postpartum deaths are the result of suicide. A 2019 study of more than 1 million women by two doctors in California found that maternal drug-related deaths and suicide were the second leading cause of postpartum death in that state. The study found that 74% of the women included in the study had made one or more visit to the emergency room to receive help and said that this should have been where intervention occurred to further prevent their deaths. An earlier 2005 study pointed out that while exact numbers aren't available for the whole of the U.S. postpartum population, suicides account for up to 20% of postpartum deaths. The study states, self-harm ideation is more common than attempts or deaths, with thoughts of self-harm during pregnancy and the postpartum ranging from 5 to 14%. The risk for suicidality is significantly elevated among depressed women during the perinatal period, and suicide has been found to be the second or leading cause of death in this depressed population. 
I know this is all hard to hear, but I mention it because we need doctors, hospitals, families, and law enforcement to track this information so we can create a better screening, diagnosis, and treatment program for women suffering from postpartum mood disorders, especially depressive disorders that trigger these suicidal thoughts and ideation. These disorders are treatable, but we have to be proactive. We have to catch it early, we've got to follow up with these women, and we've got to just keep up on it like we would any other chronic health disorder. So how do we do this? I hate it, but one of the main ways we can affect change is to lobby Congress. If it's easier, start local. Start with your state legislatures and get this issue in front of their faces. Once you feel heard, take it to your U.S. Senator and Representative and make them listen. I don't care where you stand politically, it's been proven time and time again that women's health and women's issues matter little politically, even though we are no longer a minority. We are physically a majority in this country, and yet men still control our houses of government. Where was I? Right. Lobby. Write your senators, congressmen, governors, and the White House. Start a change.org petition. Do whatever you need to do to draw attention to this case. Get this book and others like it in people's hands. Encourage your doctor, your therapist, your preacher, your neighbor to be a champion for this cause. You don't have to share your story to make an impact, but it does help. In 1999, the U.S. House did pass Resolution 51, which proposed the National Institutes of Health further study postpartum illnesses and encouraged health care providers to teach women about prevalence, symptoms, and treatment of postpartum depression. But here we are still with one in seven, five, or nine, depending on the study, women being diagnosed with a postpartum mood disorder, and up to 20% of those women are dying by suicide. So there's a lot of work to still be done. I believe the problem with access to care and treatment lies with insurance companies, because they don't actually seem to care about the people they're supposed to help. And this is another issue that needs to be lobbied at the congressional level, because they are who decides so many of our healthcare policies, if not all. Um, for insurance companies, it's all about money, and nothing will happen until we get Congress to back this, because, as we know, money talks. And until insurance companies feel like their money isn't making an impact in Washington, they may actually start listening to what we're saying. That means we have to be louder than what they can spend on winning, whining and dining our congressmen and congresswomen. One of the organizations I found working to make changes in Washington is 2020Mom. Their website is 2020mom.org. I also found the March for Moms Association. So far, they've had two successful marches on Washington. That Again, this was in 2019. Um, to spread awareness about maternal health and everything it encompasses. This organization gives me hope because they've got a lot of great people involved with the march which speaks to its authenticity and objectivity in making moms their priority. Their website is www.marchformoms.org. Um, when it comes to maternal health, you've got to know what maternal mortality is very high for women of color and low-income women in the United States. Even though we are in the top three richest countries in the world, we have more women dying in childbirth and up to one year post-childbirth than many underdeveloped countries. A lot of this has to do with access to care and pre-existing conditions that weren't treated during pregnancy or after with appropriate follow-up visits. We need low-cost options in all communities, whether it be through free clinics, the health department, or other options, 
women should be able to get comprehensive care, prenatal and otherwise, no matter their income level or racial makeup. Again, this goes all the way to the top. We've got to petition for affordable health care for all. That can't be done on the town, city, state, and federal level because women everywhere need access to care. I am saying this as a privileged white person who could afford care and still nearly bankrupted my family's savings. We all, not just moms, need affordable and accessible mental health care, which is another issue to lobby for. This needs to be available to everyone everywhere, and insurance needs to cover it. And I'm not talking about six visits. I'm talking about indefinitely. Um, and they need to pay these counselors, therapists, psychiatrists what they're worth so that they are not having to charge their patients upwards of $100 per 35- or 45-minute session. We also need to make sure that women in low-income areas have access to mental health care. Studies have shown, as was written about in an issue of The Economist, that even having an untrained counselor to talk to can help people struggling with depression and anxiety, which is where things like the Crisis Text Line and Postpartum International Helpline come in and can be really helpful for a lot of people and support groups. For more severe cases, of course, a trained psychiatrist and therapist are warranted, but in other cases, something is better than nothing. Knowledge is power. We've got to get more information about postpartum mental health into libraries, which are the main source of information for low-income and minority populations. How do we do this? Ask your librarians if they can get more books about postpartum health. If they say no, take it to the friends of the library, which help fund your library. If they put up a fight, take it to the city or county council that funds the library. I doubt you'd need to do anything but ask the librarian, but let's say you live in some horrible place that just refuses to acknowledge the existence of postpartum mood disorders and women's health. In that case, you can take it to the American Library Association and get them to back you up on getting these resources into your library and community. You can learn more about them at www.ala.org. Share your story. Talk to your doctors about getting more postpartum depression and all mood disorder resources into their office so that all patients know they exist. I believe all moms and dads, and not just those dealing with these disorders, need to know about them because they need to know how to help their fellow parent. Empathy and kindness cost us nothing. March, now that, well, COVID aside, march on Washington in your city or state capital. March to make yourself heard. Let them know you want insurance companies to cover these illnesses and to provide access to low-income families at prices they can pay or for free because it'll save everyone money in the long run. Go old school. Write to speakers and writers and ask them to do a reading where you live. Bring up the topic at a mom's group, at the play gym, and wherever else you go. Get resources into the hands of the people who need them. There's no reason any of this should be hidden and limited to the people who are suffering. Knowledge is power, after all. I want to add that as it's now 2022, we still have so much work to do with legislators, politicians, justices, and regular old loud, angry white men petitioning for things like ending all abortions and limiting facts from the classroom, it's important that we use our newfound strength as mothers and parents to advocate for moms who have yet to walk in our shoes and those currently fighting the good fight to merely survive with children in a global pandemic and a questionable job market. 
I know it's not fair to add one more thing to our list, but if we don't do it, who will? It's not fair, but for the people arguing against abortion should instead be using their time to argue for mothers and our rights to health care, child care, paid leave, flexible working, and more. Instead, they're just screaming into the abyss, which makes it hard for our logic, sense, and practicality to be overheard by those in power. It's intentional. But all is not lost. We just have to keep trying, like we do every day as a parent. Just keep freaking going. Keep pushing. Keep talking. Keep raising these issues with anyone who will listen. And eventually there will be enough of us doing it that will be a louder voice in the room. We can hope anyway. And after all, if we don't have hope, we have nothing. So we got to keep hoping. We also need to include dads and grandparents, aunts and uncles in this fight too, because it affects all of us. This is not just a mom issue. Our mental health, access to good solid prenatal care, postpartum care, therapy, child care, and jobs that understand the family comes first affects every single person in your family. Because if you are not well, your family has to step up and find a way to help. If you are put on bed rest, your husband, partner, extended family has to find a way to make sure you're taken care of, bills are paid, and your job has to be able to support you to work remotely, which hopefully since the pandemic is becoming an easier task, but I'm sure it still comes with a hefty load of guilt and snide comments about how you're enjoying your vacation. If we die during or after delivery, it's on the family that's left behind to take care of things, and there's little to nothing in place to help them with that. This country, while it prides itself on being a God-fearing land that upholds family values and all of that other nonsense, it sure does little to protect the family and the members of those families. The issue of maternal mental health and mental health in general should matter to us all. All races, all sexes, all religions, creeds, economics, station in life, etc. It matters to all of us, and we all need to look out for each other and make sure those at the top listen. I know this is all kind of a tirade, but when thinking about this issue this week and thinking about how it really is all of our problem to deal with these issues, I truly think one reason it hasn't been is something similar to what's been done to other minority groups throughout history, and it's that we have been othered, and we being moms and parents, we have been othered with terms like mama bear or mama whatever animal and mom boss, mompreneur, mother, motherhood, all things that I myself have been guilty of using because I was trying so hard to figure out who the heck I was after I had kids and so I was searching for the person I was before, couldn't reach her in the fog of postpartum depression and anxiety and so I clung to this, you know, mama bear thing and it's actually a very toxic space to be stuck in, in my experience, not everybody, but these terms really feminize mothering to the point that it ignores lesbian mothers, transgender mothers, gay dads, you know, and it makes the work we do seem less than because men, no, not all men, but a lot of men, and even a lot of women, especially older women, see women as being less than and as femininity being a bad thing. And I feel like we need to find a way to stop using these parochial terms to describe parenting and nurturing our children so that it's more 
and I know gender neutral has become such a trigger word for some people, but, you know, parenting is gender neutral. <laughs> Once you have a kid, you're a parent. It doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, and you can end up with the mood disorders just like a mom can, and or a woman. And it, I just think we need to find a way to get everyone on board that this is an issue for us all. Um, and... At this point, it's like, I don't care how we do it, let's just do it. Um, but I do think that that would help because there's so much loaded language, especially when people are writing legislation that is just so backwards and just bullshit. And they use it to minimize us, to minimize the issues, and um, it's really frustrating. And, uh, you know, even with my book, I'm like, now I'm like, oh, maybe I should call it good parents have bad days because really, we, I mean, everybody does. Dads, moms, grandparents, humans. Humans have bad days. That's just what it is. And I feel like the majority of us battle with some form of mental health disorder. And that's just what it is. Um, and, but on the language and the verbiage and stuff, um, a great book that I cannot recommend enough, um, and the audiobook is fantastic as well as the print, um, is Word Slut by Amanda Montel, and she talks all about the importance of language and how it shapes the world we live in and how it affects policy and treatment of people, and um, it's just, I can't recommend it enough. And her other book, Cultish, is amazing in a similar way in that it talks about the language of fanaticism and um, some of the traps that we can fall into because of the language that's used surrounding things. Um, so add that to your list, Cultish and Word Slut by Amanda Montel, both great. Um, anyway, I think that is all I have for today's lesson and rant and everything else. Um, we are nearing the end of the book. So, um, after a couple more episodes, finishing out the chapters, you know, it's time for you guys to weigh in. Let me know if you have a survivor story you want to share, if you have, um, some topics that you would like to see discussed further, um, you know, whatever. Otherwise, you're stuck listening to whatever wild idea I get, um, while out on my runs. <laughs> um, so... Thank you, as always, for being here, listening. Um, I hope you're all staying well and taking care of yourselves. Remember, it's okay to hide in the bathroom or put yourself in timeout when you need a break to sneak a piece of chocolate or lie and tell the kids it's spicy when you don't want to share. Healthy parent equals happy baby and happy kids. Uh, so whatever that looks like for you, you do you. Be kind to each other and yourselves. And I will see you next week. Bye.